You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 238 of the Comic Book Informer podcast coming to you on November 10th. What's going on this week, Raj? No, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Fair so, enough. So puppy was not doing well. Mm. Yeah, we, 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 we wish the best for the little girl. Yep. So you want to talk about some comics? Yeah. Yeah, cheer me up. <laughs> I figured we were going to end up talking about it anyway, so we might as well make it the focal point of the episode. The long, 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 long-awaited final issue of Brian Bendis's X-Men run with Uncanny X-Men number 600. Of course, written by Brian Michael Bendis and art by everybody. <laughs> we'll be here for the rest of the show if I list them all. Not worth the wait, was it? Oh, no. I- I say that, but part of the premise was interesting. This, this, mm-hmm. not to the the degree that they did with the quote unquote intervention thing, kind of thing. I think they could have, it, it could have just been, hey, we're here. Well, I shouldn't say intervention. The intervention slash trial is kind of that was a ridiculous thing. But everybody getting together, kind of thing, was an interesting idea at first. I. <laughs> I was and honestly, it is about time somebody called Hank out on his crap. Well, see, that's the thing. He's like, he's the most dangerous of all the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Hell, you could make him the most dangerous mutant even is safe to say. When one of the X-Men is more dangerous than freaking Magneto or some crazed villain, you've got a problem. Maybe you should step up to the plate on this one and let him know. Yeah, there were a lot of really good parts to this comic and specifically with the with the beast framing device, because that was really the central story of the comic of you know all the X-Men coming together to put you know Beast quote on trial for everything he's done. And I love how he keeps throwing it back to Scott and yeah. how obsessed he is with Cyclops, you know, feeling that Scott's the villain in the story and completely unable to realize his own role in that as well. That's part of what I really, really like. Now, I will say that, like, I had some issues with this, obviously, and we're going to get to some of the obvious ones, too. <laughs> um, but... One of the things that really threw me off, and it was in terms of how the story felt then, was that because there were so many artists, it wasn't necessarily that it was the constant changing style that was a pain in the butt so much as some of the artists decided they had, because it's issue 600, we've got to make it look like he's growling, teeth out, screaming kind of thing. But it was at points where it didn't always make sense. And Mm -hmm. it was like, that's a bit of an overreaction there. Flip, flip. Oh, look, another overreaction. Flip, flip. And it just, that got on my nerves and kind of threw the story for a whack whenever they go back to it. Yeah, because I think overall, I mean, there's this, a number of great artists, uh, Dave Marquez, Sarah Bacchelli, I think even Bacallo contributed a little bit to this. Overall, the art was very good. It was just you know, disjointed, of course. And yes, at some points, they went a little t- overboard with the expressions. And and it makes a big difference because, again, it's a visual 
medium. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at the story and you're looking at what's being done to him, this intervention slash trial thing, then when you have his reactions so wild, it's like, hold on. I, I I can see how he'd be getting mad and all that, but this ferocious, let's have the teeth bared so often, that really kind of messed with the story then. Because if you look then just as at his parts and everybody coming together, it's comes off as an intervention until you find out this quote unquote trial, whatever the hell that's going to mean. And if you read the dialogue just in that he's ticked, and he's diverting a lot, but doing so in still the intelligent manner that he always talks, then it makes a lot more sense and it's far more enjoyable. Yeah. As I said, overall, I, I really enjoyed a great deal of it, but – and also the fact that we really didn't get much resolution to it. Yeah. but um, I, We just get at the end, of course, Ava showing up who is still – the best character that yep. this comic has put together and giving him a nice little speech and then him just driving off, which, okay, now I know where he went <laughs> because it's in a comic. I'm not reading <laughs> we find out at the end, this is where I guess he went off to work with the inhumans. But then of course you have the whole secret wars thing that kind of pops up after I believe this comic, but I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's really weird. With I, all of the these, fa- that we- the fact that we had to wait six months for this comic just doesn't help. The again, as I'm reading this, it's the same thing as with all of these that I'm reading now. Where in again, we don't know what this is because of we don't know what the end of Secret Wars is, and that's really messing with the enjoyment of this because yeah. it's like, how does this make sense? How is it? Am I should I actually be getting? invested here that this is going to stick around or is like it really makes a difference and and again for all of the ones that i read that were the new ones it's like oh god i i i'd, I'd enjoy this a lot more if i knew what the hell happened at the end of secret wars <laughs> yeah no kidding and we had of course a bunch of side stories tying in with all of this and of course there's the 100 pound gorilla in the room of finally the resolution to the Bobby is gay storyline where young Iceman now confronts older Iceman and we finally get the admission that yes, Bobby has always been gay. He was just afraid to admit it because as he says, why would I want to be a mutant and gay? It's kind of too much pressure for him to take on to himself. How did you feel about that? The only thing that I did not like was the fact that they didn't learn from Bobby being outed by somebody else Mm -hmm. that – you know, that's not what you want to be presenting. And so we'll have Bobby and Gene outing older Bobby. And it's like, son of a bitch, guy. Seriously, you could have broached this so much better. And all it would have taken is the fact that, you know, words getting out that young Bobby is gay and older one hears about it and he approaches Bobby. And then the discussion starts and things like that. Fine. But to have both Bobby, young Bobby, and Gene confronting him like that, it was like, son yes. of a bitch. Again, seriously, it's I, – I, I didn't dig that. Now, the the way that it was presented by older Bobby as to the, the whys he did not come out, I'm not middle-aged gay guy, so I don't – I can sympathize with a lot of the – um, problems that they have to go through because of a society that 
ostracizes them and, and far worse. And, and why you might not come out right away. I, I can appreciate and understand to a certain degree, but I can't say, uh, you know, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I see it. But as from my standpoint, reading this it was like, well, that makes sense. I, I can appreciate that having only so many stressors that you can take in your life at any given time kind of thing, you'll choose to keep some packed away in, and aside, whether that is your, you know, sexual orientation, hell, it could be your religious beliefs, any number of things. So it kind of made sense. And I was, I was curious how that would be handled because we both know it could be handled horribly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I, with the exception of the fact that he was outed yet again, it, I, I like the excuses and, you know, for lack of a better term and things like that, I, I thought it worked out fairly well. I, I loved the line of how are you more together than I am? Yeah, yeah. But I also liked how they did acknowledge the history of Bobby's character and the fact that he's been in a number of straight relationships. And as I mentioned several months ago, that was something they could work with because all of those relationships were an absolute disaster. And they did bring up that he tried to pretend to be, quote, normal, but – yeah, but it it's, never worked. Even if it, 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 even if they had gone the route where it wasn't even, I'm going to do this because it's pretending so that people believe it. It could have just been that he didn't fully know at that time. Yeah, he was in denial himself. There, there's a lot and of ways. Even then, that it's they not always have, denial. Yeah. It's just some people it takes longer. Mm-hmm. I know people like this, so it's <laughs> not like it's. It would have made sense as well. They actually did a storyline last year, I think, in Astonishing X Men. That involved all of Bobby's ex-girlfriends coming together for a story. And man, none of them like him very much. So I mean, there, there is a, a certain thread here. They're not really changing continuity. They're just maybe giving us a different insight into some of those older stories now. Yeah. We'll see. We also had what I thought was a great scene between Colossus, Magic, and Kitty. And we've all said – we've both said many times we love these characters. We love their interactions with each other. And I think this was something that Bendis has nailed throughout his run, especially going back several issues, that issue that was just uh, Ileana and Kitty by themselves and now bringing Peter into the mix. It worked pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Those characters actually, it's funny because again, having read through the just Kitty and Colossus stuff, and now it's more of a trio that's, such a natural fit for those three characters to be together kind of thing. I I really dig when it's done properly. I mean, honestly, I've grown up with these characters. I was basically Ileana's age when I started reading comics and now they're mature, they're adults, they're moving on with their lives. There's, there's always been a connection for me with these three characters. And I'm really happy to see that they're in a good place now because things were pretty iffy between them ever since God, what was it? The, the one where they all turned into the phoenixes. Yeah. AVX. AVX yeah. It's, it's been a mess for a couple of years. So I'm happy that everything's finally sorting itself out with them. I like how Colossus was written in this one too. Because mm-hmm. again, I, I know you really like him and you're a fanboy, but the, the boy's made a lot of mistakes in his life. Oh, <laughs> okay. absolutely. He has screwed up a hell of a lot and continues to screw up all the time too. And it's one of those things where he's one of those characters that when I think about every time there is this colossal screw up, for lack of a better term, you're like, somebody needs to start writing him as an adult now. 
an mm-hmm. adult who can make rational decisions and not be a complete idiot. And you get those moments here, like to the point where he's saying he just wants Kitty to be happy and things like that. And so there were those moments where you're thinking, oh, my God, he's growing up. It's, you know. It's like talking to a buddy of yours that you used to go drinking with who's had a co- a child and all of a sudden you're like, okay, you've relaxed some. <laughs> you're, yeah. You regained some senses. It was, was it uncanny where Peter had showed back up to the mansion and Storm flat out refused to let him go on a mission because of all of his screw-ups? I can't remember if it was uncanny, but I know exactly which one you're yeah, talking about. Well, that I, was the precursor to the uh, Juggernaut story. Mm-hmm. That was the start of it. So. I don't think it was uncanny. I think it was one of the other spinoffs. But I, it it's nice that they're finally addressing that and moving him forward as a character. Yeah. We also had the scene with the all-new X-Men, you know, the time-displaced team. Where Jean decides she's kind of going to go off and do her thing. And, of course, Scott has to be kind of a jerk about it because He's it's Scott. <laughs> and we finally get the scene between Jean and young Hank. I don't know. that It felt kind of weird. It was. It was. That was when – there was a couple again that weren't really spectacular. But that one, when I read it too, it was like, yeah, it's <sighs> – it's yet again one of these. Even going back a couple years ago when they first brought up the point that, oh, Hank has always had a thing for Gene. I was like, eh. Oh, that part no. I didn't mind as much. I didn't mind it, but I was like, eh, okay. But now it coming back around, she's like, oh, I've always known. Well, I don't know. It, it was just weird. I I actually like that and I'm looking forward to what we'll see with that relationship going forward simply because the – Scott Jean relationship always kind of was one of those oh, for crying out loud kind of things for me, even because they make such a big deal of it always. Mm-hmm. So it just, I know that's forget it. Gene and Hank. Yeah. I'd like to see some more of that. That would be I, I, a lot I, of fun. I, I'm really interested in young Hank as a character yes. because I think of all of the young X-Men, he's the one that's changed the most. Well, yeah. Because he sees, you know, it's basically so many things are his fault in the future. And yeah, he's trying to change and trying to be different. So it, that character specifically I'm very interested in. I, I don't know. I'm just not into the whole relationship. See, the thing with me that ticked me off was just this idea of, okay, I'm, I'm leaving the team. And it's just – it's like one after the other, they're all doing the same thing. And I, it's like yeah. they're really the overplaying fact, the that card. The fact that Warren did it and Scott did it and now it's her turn. But – She's the one that it makes the most sense for because she knows what happens if she stays at X-Men. Yeah, but it's – by this time, he's already played that card too many times. Mm-hmm. So it's like, OK, no. It doesn't matter if it would make sense. Be creative and think of something else because we've had it with this idea. So, Right. I, I think that was more a matter of, hey, the other writer wants to do this, so let me set it up for him. Because as we see in Extraordinary X-Men, she's not part of the team at the time. Yeah. And then the final scene we get, apparently Cyclops summons every mutant in the world to Washington, D.C. I like that you said apparently, first of all. Yeah, apparently, because because how? I just – well, not just that, but has this been prefaced anywhere else? This came out of nowhere. Okay, good, 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 because I was worried there. Because it was like I'm reading this part and it's like flip – well, that makes no sense. Flip back. <laughs> Flip again. It's still and they all just show sense. up. Like you've got Mystique and like the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants there. And like, they're oh, all yeah. getting oh, along. Cyclops wants us to show up. Sure. We'll be there, buddy. <laughs> and, and they're all getting along. <laughs> Nobody's stabbing each other. It's almost like a love-in. Look at this. <laughs> like it just makes no sense. Yeah. And 
to show that I, I don't honestly, I pretty much checked out of this scene. <laughs> like as soon as Scott starts talking, I stopped paying attention in general, but this whole scene was just like, what this was the entire culmination of what was admittedly a bunch of really good stories over the last several years that Bendis has done for the X-Men. And this is kind of his final word on it. I, I don't know. I didn't like it at all. It made no sense. I, I couldn't like it because it made no sense. So you're watching it and thinking, well, this is completely irrational. It's out of nowhere. And I had been all right with the constant flashbacks throughout mm-hmm. the trial because they were actually done in such a way that it was damn near seamless. It really felt an organic way to tell that story. So I was like, oh, you did well, good. And then boom, this. And going, oh, you bastard. <laughs> you you were doing fine there, but you dropped the ball. Yeah, it it was just weird and awkward and I didn't like it and it made no sense either looking back or apparently going forward because, huh? (laughs) Again, maybe if this had come out six months ago when it was supposed to and we could have followed up with it or something, I don't know. There's a lot about this now that feels very awkward, rushed and yet delayed at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. There was really strong parts of this issue, but some real weaknesses as well. But overall, I'd say I really did enjoy Bendis' time on the X-Men. He did some very creative things. He told some great stories with the characters. But yeah, sometimes you get this point where because of crossovers and publishing mandates and whatnot, maybe he couldn't finish the story the way he wanted to. So he did the best he could. But if this was the best he could do, I I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it was deserving of a 600 issue kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Regular old issue, sure. Has some great parts, but as a big celebration issue, not really. Mm -hmm. Although I will say like you, the Ava stuff at the end was worth the crap with Scott beforehand. Because as soon as I see her on the page, it's like, oh God, we need so much more of you. And the fact that she's the one confronting him as well. She, the time traveler, is confronting him because of the (laughs) things that he has done wrong with time. And, And I thought, oh yeah, this is... This is great. I really hope we see a lot more of that. And it wasn't just, oh, let's just toss it in because toss her in because it's cool. I God, we need to see more of her as it pertains to what's going on with Beast right now. Now we're in this really awkward point that every X-Men relaunch comes to where a previous writer establishes a bunch of really good young mutant characters that are then completely forgotten about when the next writing team takes over. And all of Bendis's uh, uncanny X-Men kids, Ava, uh, Overdrive, Gold Balls, like I love those characters and I've seen this way too many times before where they're just going to disappear, I'm afraid. Yeah. Although I think Bendis said Gold Balls is going to be showing up in the Miles Spider-Man comic. Yeah, I read something about that. Gold Balls and Genki, I'm all for yeah. it. <laughs> So that leads us into the first issue of the new X-Men continuity with Extraordinary X-Men number one, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Umberto Ramos, Victor Olazaba, and Edgar Delgado. And I think we've said it enough times, but it bears repeating. Friggin' Ramos, man. Ramos is a god. He's a fucking god. (laughs) I mean, 
when you look at these scenes, the scene where Ileana just pops up, sword is flying around, and you've got all of the people and the militia and everything with their guns on the side, and she's swinging her sword, and it was like, on. Freaking believable. <laughs> Unbelievable that someone would put that much attention to detail and in such a stylish way. Mm-hmm. I'll have your babies if you want, Ramos. <laughs> and we shall name them all Ramos. <laughs> we pick up here with Storm in charge of the X Men, dealing with, as we've learned about previously, the Mpox, as it's being called, the sickness that's affecting the mutants because of the Terrigen mists that have been released across Earth. They're sick, they're dying, they're sterilized, which they just kind of throw into the dialogue. Like, oh yeah, by the way, no more babies. <laughs> you think the, you think you might have would have led with that? <laughs> it was just kind of almost a throwaway piece of dialogue. It was kind of weird. But we have her dealing with it. You have these camps that are being set up on the Xavier grounds bringing in refugees because, of course, mutants are persecuted. They're even more persecuted now because we have to keep upping the stakes against mutants because that's the way the X-Men work. And they kept talking about what Scott did. What did Scott do? Are they talking about the he summoned thing in everybody Washington? to Washington? <laughs> are they talking about something in Secret Wars? Are they talking him regaining the Phoenix powers right before Secret Wars? Like... It There's almost, a major piece of the storyline that I'm missing here. It almost sounded like they were even talking about him killing Xavier. Maybe, but... I mean, I, let it go, people. It's been a while. <laughs> There's been a few events since then. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> I, I, they made it seem a lot more recent, though. After what Scott did, people fear us even more. I, and, think, I think that, and this is me just guessing here, I think this peaceful thing in Washington turns into not so peaceful. Right. Where? Shit hits the fan and just. What comic is that in? Well, because I'm saying I it's after it. 600 is what I'm saying. I'm saying there's something, a bit of continuity, an issue somewhere, a few mm-hmm. pages, whatever, that's between that 600 and this extraordinary one. I am fairly certain you're right, but where yeah because it's it's hiding the, with the, the last point, of secret wars you know we discuss the comics we're presented with not our fictional you know head canons of what's going on so it's again it's a major plot point that i'm very confused on and you know i read a lot of freaking comic books especially if they've got the x-men in them so if there's a major plot point i'm missing somebody screwed up pretty bad again i'm willing to bet that this has to do with again the tail end of secret wars so it's all tying together and being released. It's like the, thing. It's like the I, freaking release of Firefly. <laughs> all the episodes aren't in order. Here, here's where I, I'm not so sure about that, though, because spoilers for anybody who cares about Secret Wars. They killed off Scott four issues ago. <laughs> Doom straight up snapped his neck. <laughs> that that so, don't mean anything. I don't know what he could have done in Secret Wars. Came back <sighs> to life? <sighs> Seriously, come on. <laughs> but I don't know. It's it. We're moving on because it's just, <laughs> we're going to talk ourselves in circles forever. Aside from that, this was a lot like a number of the other number ones that Marvel's putting out as part of this all new, all different initiative. Not a lot there. A lot of setup, 
but not a lot of meat to the stories. We have Storm dealing with the crisis. We did have a nice aside again with Ileana and Colossus and Ramos drawing grizzled old man farmer Colossus. I'm all for that because that was awesome looking. <laughs> it's like when they did that uh, that weird time traveling story and he showed up with the mutton chops. Yeah. Colossus just looks great with facial hair in general, yeah. I think. <laughs> Especially when it's metallic facial hair. And then at the end, we have the mutant signature that they pick up on. And, well, that's not possible because it's Logan. And as we come to – as we found out in the tail end of his Secret Wars miniseries, Old Man Logan is now a part of the Marvel Universe. So I'm actually really looking forward to what's going to happen there. But again, it's just like a lot of the other number ones. Set up some stuff. Okay, something really cool happens on the last page. But the issue itself felt kind of lacking. I actually didn't mind it as much. You would think that I would have felt the same. I liked it. I enjoyed the issue. But again, if I'm coming into this without these attachments to the X-Men that I so clearly have, I wasn't really wowed. I don't think I would have been wowed by this. Hmm. See, I actually – I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed it for what it is too where Mm -hmm. you're having those – like you're saying, all of these little setup stories – which will obviously be addressed in future issues where then they'll be able to kind of roll with it a lot faster because there was one issue of setup. So it wasn't that there was a lot of, you know, we won't have a ton of this, just this one boom, boom, boom. Here's what you have to look forward to. And it was just enough for each and just interesting enough that I was like, yeah, I'm on board. It's one of those things where on its own, I don't disagree, but I've read a dozen of these now that are pretty much the same. Oh yeah, concept but yeah, but that's because they issues. keep freaking rebooting everything. Mm-hmm. So of course we're not gonna we're not, we're gonna have seen this over and over again. Yeah, and it's it's just personally, I'm kind of tired of the okay, the first issue is not gonna have a lot to it. <laughs> the second issue of all these comics are what's really yeah, important. Is where the story starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I knew we were gonna spend a lot of time talking about the X Men, but. I figured, eh, let's throw a couple other Marvel comics in there because we, you know, we need, we need discussion topics. Do you really want me to go on or should we just skip it? <laughs> do, do you really think I read it? Okay. So I Deadpool read number one, three pages, I think I went, nope. <laughs> Written by Jerry Duggan, art by Mike Hawthorne, Terry Pallet, and Val Staples. Deadpool's franchising now. That's it. I got nothing. It was even me who I frequently enjoy some of these. I was like, all right, this is this is kind of dumb. The only thing I liked was near the tail end of the comic, a scene that you didn't read. Deadpool announces his business as the heroes for hire. Flash to Luke Cage watching the commercial on his couch and calling Matt Murdock because he needs a lawyer. I liked that scene. The rest of it I could do without. Meh. Uh, we also wanted to cover Nova number one, written by Sean Ryan, art by Corey Smith and David Curiel, because I loved the previous volume of Nova. I know you did as well. Yep. I was really excited to see what they're going to do with this, and I loved it because it was 20 pages of Sam and his dad working together. Sam, who had been through so much in the previous volume uh, with concussions and money troubles and his family and having to live up to the role of being Nova, trying to find his dad. This kid went through so much in his previous volume of the comic that having an issue of him just being happy, I was overjoyed. What I like too is that 
the things that we like about this kid persisted throughout into this now mm-hmm. where even with a different writer too he's a res- he's still a responsible kid like he's not goofing off he's not he's he's much older than his years and is still being responsible about taking care of things and you know don't worry about it dad i can take care of it and and all of this stuff i we still care for that character and that's that's what sells you then on the series because yes the series is still phenomenal but it's we care so much for the the title character that we're willing to follow him into whatever adventures he gets into. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, there's not really a whole lot to say because it, it was light on story, but for somebody who had read all the previous issues, this was a great, great read a nice, okay. Sam's cool. Sam's the kid you loved for the previous what 26 issues or so. Now we're going to mess with him a little bit, but of course we are. That's where drama comes from in the comics. But just seeing Sam happy, like I was overjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> this The kid deserves an issue of just having fun and being happy with his family. Yep. All right, then. As for what else we've been reading, uh, you're still not cut up on Ninja Turtles, I'm assuming. Nope. All right. Well, we had issue 51, which is now the kickoff of the new era. Artwork on this issue was a little rough. I'm not going to lie. It's far, far below what we've come to expect from the comic. As far as the story itself, moving things in very new, very interesting, very uh, spoilery directions. (laughs) So I won't get into it. But the writing is still very strong. Stuff between Splinter and the Turtles is great. There is a scene in here between Raphael and Michelangelo that a couple of pages absolutely phenomenal with the history of those two the situations they're in now turning some things around absolutely loved it so the writing is still very strong and the story is still quite interesting cool uh another marvel number one that i checked out was hercules so did i what did you think me yeah i actually really liked it I, it's not but, i i didn't hate it mm-hmm. um i liked that the character matured some yes and so that was cool but I I don't know. It really didn't All right. grab me, and and it, it did feel a little bit too cliched as well. Yeah, that's fine. I actually like the the concept that they're running with of Hercules was the original superhero, and both in our world and in the comic world, and he's now trying to live back up to that. He's been an utter goofball for decades. And like you said, he's grown up, he's matured, he's actually living up to his potential. I also loved that Gilgamesh is crashing on his couch yeah. and another legendary hero that's not living up to his potential. So I'm I'm looking forward to a lot of stuff here. I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was pretty fun. I, it's funny because as I'm reading it and he comes out in his just his shorts <laughs> and you know the artist kind of went a little overboard here. And it's funny because I was, here I am thinking – obviously I'm not that much into the story because I'm thinking – Okay, so they're like telling the gay community that wanted him to yes. to get a gay Hercules. No, we're not giving you one, but we're going to cash in on the sales of putting a lot of Herc with none in a year. Yeah, there, no there's on. a lot of subtext here, but nope, we're not giving nope, you one. Yeah. yeah, we'll just take your okay. money. <laughs> uh, Detective Comics, which is, at least in this particular issue, follows Jim now that he's a member of the Justice League where they realize they still need a Batman. Not because they need a Batman, but they need someone who can do the detective stuff without Bruce around. Let's go to the guy that Bruce really respected. 
Did you read this one? I actually am. I think I'm two behind right now. Ah, okay. So it's weird, crazy, cosmic, giant alien stuff, but Jim breaks it down. Like he's, he knows he's in over his head, but he sticks to what he's good at. He follows the forensics and he actually does, you know, the detective work. I really enjoyed it. The last couple pages of this, on one hand, kind of cliched, but I don't know, it really worked for me. It was pretty emotional. Cool. And then finally, Transformers Redemption. You pointed this out uh, in the new releases last week, and I said I'd kind of fallen off with Transformers comics lately. This The last crossover didn't really do much for me. But I figured this is a one-shot. Let me check it out. And it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it follows the Dinobots, and it's the story we've seen time and time again of the old soldiers who, now that the war is over, they don't know what to do. But the story it told with the characters, both the Dinobots and, you know, kind of the new guys they threw in. I thought it was really powerful. Fantastic artwork. It was just for a one shot. It was like 30 or so, maybe 40 pages. I was engrossed. Like I was actually upset when I realized, oh, this isn't a mini series. It's just a one shot. I'm, just, I'm not going to get more of this, but hmm. I really liked it. So I might be getting back into the whole Transformers comics cool. because I, they do have some really good writers. It's just some of the storylines didn't work for me. Right. And what have you got for us this week? Did you finish reading uh, Lando? Mm-hmm. I loved it. Oh, yeah. Like, I really loved it. And what I like, too, is that a lot of these series, you're reading them, and, like, it's written for a wide age group because they want to knock on as many doors to get sales kind of things, whether you're a kid or an adult. And and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. This felt like it was geared for older people that can appreciate the complexity and the overlay of the, the, the different things, the various relationships, not just his relationship with, you know, this, the bounty hunter that turns out to be an ex, but also the relationship that he has with his buddy that he's known oh, for man. so long. And, and not just that, but the, the manner in which he abuses people for his own needs mm-hmm. and, and what that means. And when he kind of clues in on that, like it was a really profound resolution to the mini series. I thought when he gets that message and you're like, well done, like that was spectacularly well done. I really, really dug this a lot. Yeah. It really expanded on Lando's character without changing our perception of him. Like where, he picks up in Cloud City. Like, I can see that being the same person. Yeah. It was freaking awesome. It was freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Strong, strong stuff. Um, Amazing Spider-Man, the next one, where mm-hmm. he's got the Baxter building now. <laughs> Loved yeah. it. Really? I wasn't as crazy yeah. about it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm easy to please with Spider-Man stories. Oh, so am I. Dude, how many issues have we done together? I know. <laughs> I'm just really not digging this reboot. Like hmm. very few things about this were like a couple of things. I'm like, oh, that was neat. That was cool or whatever. But a lot of it, I was really just not impressed at all. It's not I that like I hated stuff like Johnny it. and Harry. Like even it, then, there, there's a lot of fun stuff he's doing here. But it's really interesting to me. Uh, did we miss something that would make Johnny go batshit crazy and flame in like that to fight him in his own place? Like seriously fighting. Yes, we did. Cause clearly something happened with the fantastic four that we're not aware of. Yeah. At this point. But uh, to do this to him made no sense. I, I, 
I can see it. You know, if your if your family broke up, if you will, and a person you thought was your best friend kind of moved in to their territory and tried to take over what you thought, you know, is your. I can see it. I can I, see it. I don't at all. Okay. The, the, to me, the story just felt incredibly contrived. So that really, really did not interest me at all. So yeah, I I'm very disappointed that I'm not enjoying freaking hmm. the new Spider Man. Big way. Uh, Batman Beyond. You've been reading that? I have, but I can't remember what happened in the last issue I read. The last issue was where he goes up against the Justice League in Gordon's new bat outfit. Mm -hmm. And freaking takes them down. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, it's like what you would expect Bruce to do. And I just thought that was freaking awesome. And I like the little, again, the few moments with Barbara too, where she's like, no, 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 we're, we're not dealing. We're not talking about this now. Boom, do this. And and it just felt genuine. I, again, I really quite liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, did you read uh, Iron Man number three? Mm-hmm. Kind of trying to make us feel a little bit more for him. Uh, some of it made sense. Some of it didn't like the whole bit at the end where he goes to see the one, the girl he's met once mm-hmm. kind of thing. It was a little contrived. Well, more than just a little. I, I think especially because it's so far away from what we've come to expect from Stark. Yes. Like it's it. There's no way you could do that scene with him without it feeling kind of forced. Yeah. So if it was somebody else, that would have been a great scene, but it wasn't. So you're like, eh, whatever the, the whole freaking fighting with the, with what's her face there with the Madam mask. mask. Yeah. That was awesome. Yes. <laughs> with him doing stuff through the suit and, and it, because the art was so spectacular. So, I mean, when you're getting those scenes, it's like, wow, that was pretty freaking neat. And the stuff with strange, I will say <laughs> <laughs> facial hair bros, <laughs> facial hair bros. I laughed, especially with the, when it's like how many panels with his, it was oh six, my eight, God. eight panels with it, him waiting. It, <laughs> It's one of those gags where we see it so many times, but when it works, it works. When it's Doctor Strange, it has to work. (laughs) I think it's Dave Marquez is doing the art on this, right? Uh, Yes, I believe so. Mm, His facial expressions are really what's selling this comic, especially those scenes. (laughs) I love that Stark's expression does not change. It was a copy and paste (laughs) of that character except for the final clap. <laughs> so yes. Um, speaking of Doctor Strange, did you read the second one? Loved it, man! I am so happy with this series. This is what I've been wanting. Mm-hmm. Freaking Aaron's story is great. Bacallo's art continues to be insane. That's it's gonna be so disappointing when Bacallo needs a break. Yeah, really, man. AI, yeah, <laughs> I really enjoyed this. A lot. Yeah, they're they're a doing some lot. great stuff with the character. It's just as weird as it needs to be <laughs> without being completely off the charts. I I think they could take Doctor Strange too far, but they haven't yet. So it's great. Yeah, it was freaking cool. Uh, and lastly, just very quickly, what did you think of the big 50th episode of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Eh. With the reveal? I know a lot of people who had guessed at that reveal, so it didn't hit me the same way it did a few other people. It was good, but 
the previous couple episodes were so much better. Oh, God, like yeah. it was overshadowed. I actually was kind of it, like they made such a big deal, big 50th episode. Mm-hmm. And there we go. Well, it wasn't that great. And the idea of putting the shrink as the beast kind of thing, it was like, I, again, that really felt forced to me that they mm-hmm. needed to create something instead of get a new character in that they could really play with. No, let's just associate it to someone and Ooh, big surprise. Nah, not really. So yeah. that was a little disappointing. So that's it for me. All right, then. This week's new releases. Oh, no, it's not. Dude, oh, it's you're not? still not watching Arrow, are you? No. They had freaking Constantine on it. <laughs> That's to, to, in, to encourage me? Yeah, because it's a crossover, and we love crossovers. It doesn't a crossover with a series that got canceled. <laughs> it's still playing, though, I thought, isn't it? No. Oh, there know. is no second season of Constantine. Well, he's still popping up in places, apparently. Oh, well, yeah. So. They, they they came up with the crossover before it got canceled, so they decided to go through with it anyway. Yeah. It was fun to watch. All right. Now can I do new releases? Last week's Flash was awesome, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This week's new releases. God, it's a bad week. And by bad week, I mean it's a great week. From Marvel. Let's just run through the number ones because, oh, my God, we have all new, all different Avengers, all new Hawkeye, all new Wolverine, Carnage, Illuminati, Ultimates, and Web Warriors. Aside from that, we have Chewbacca number three, Darth Vader number 12, Infinity Gauntlet number five, Secret Wars number seven, Spider-Gwen number two, Spider-Man 2099 number three, Thor's number four, and Uncanny Avengers number two. What are you doing to me? (laughs) From DC, strong week there as well. We have Batman number 46, Batman and Robin Eternal number six, Batman Beyond number six, Batman Superman number 26, and Constantine the Hellblazer number six. They do this on purpose, don't they? Mm-hmm. Where the numbers line up. God, I hate them. As well as the one shots for Justice League Dark Side War, Green Lantern, and Shazam. Hey, how have those been? I actually haven't read the tie ins yet. Okay. Uh, from Image, we have Autumn Lands, number seven, Descender, number seven, The Goddamned, number one, new series from Jason Aaron, Southern Bastards, number 12, The Walking Dead, number 148, and The Wicked and the Divine, number 16. IDW, we have Back to the Future, number two, and from Valiant, Imperium, number 10, and Unity, number 24. Lots of comics out there this week. <laughs> But that's going to wrap us up here. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CB Informer. Roger, I listened to you over on All Comics Considered. <laughs> it's so awkward to hear you disagreeing with someone else. <laughs> Although, for the most part, I was on your side in these discussions. Well, of course, I was right. Marty is always wrong. <laughs> so whatever point I take by default makes it right. So if you would like to check out Roger there, uh, you can find them at allcomicsconsidered.com. They're everywhere, Stitcher, iTunes, I, I believe. And uh, still doing the giveaway, right, Roger? Uh, yeah, actually, I've gotten a few, but I'd like to get more. So more people, please. It'd be nice to have a bigger pool. I want more people going to their site as well and listening to their stuff because they're awesome people. So do it. Okay. And there's still one more episode of Roger with that gang uh, to come. So I'm really looking forward to that as well because I I do enjoy their podcast both with and without Roger. They're a bunch of great people, lots of really interesting views on a number of things. And by the time he cut, well, that's the rest is what he's going to be posting. And that was hours later after several drinks and (laughs) painkillers. Things got a little heated. (laughs) 
<laughs> once in a while. <laughs> All in good fun, but the conversation certainly heated up. God, Batman versus Red Batman. It's... It, we didn't even have to do that. <laughs> Any excuse to fight, we'll find it. All right, guys, that's going to wrap us up. Until next week, thanks for listening. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.